Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me, as always, is Austin Waiter. And we're back ta- talking college football action. Uh, I know these episodes are coming out a little bit later than usual, uh, but allergy season kicking my butt. Um, I mean, whose butt isn't it kicking? Let's just be yeah, honest here. That's very fair. But I'm back and ready to go. Uh, Zyrtec, you're the real MVP. Shout out, um, Zyrtec. If I, I could get a sponsorship, I could use it. Um, let's just put it lightly. Um, but all jokes aside, we've got, uh, again, it just feels like weekend after weekend, this college football season just is anybody's and you've got great matchups just seemingly to fall into place every weekend. Um, even, uh, some matchups as we look throughout the year, um, that we didn't think were going to be as big and they are, and we'll start with last weekend and kind of talk about what happened there. And in one of these matchups, you probably looked at at the beginning of the season, didn't think it'd be such a big deal, probably why they put it on a Friday night. Uh, Utah versus Oregon State, uh, this was uh, a massive game to open up the weekend with. And Oregon State puts themselves back on track. They had the tough loss to Washington State last week, and they beat a Utah team that has looked unstoppable, a team that hasn't given up uh, this many points in a while. Uh, actually, I want to take a look at that right now. Uh, I think this is the first time they've given up over 20 points this year. It is. The last highest was uh, Baylor at 13 and Florida at 11, but nobody else has scored double digits. Um, so Oregon State just did a great job executing against uh, a defense that I, I know I was calling one of the best in the country. So was uh, I, man. And slowing down uh, what seemed to be uh, an electric offense. Uh, but they really got to the freshman Nate Johnson and uh, made him uncomfortable, and that's what helped this team uh, get out ahead. And the passing game was unbelievable. Uh, Silas Bolden, the wide receiver, really had a career game. Yeah, he really did. And piggybacking on what you said before getting into this one about so far this season, my question for you: You know, we looked last year was a historic season. You know, Tennessee came into contention. TCU's run through the first five weeks. Which one would you rate better so far? Oof. Uh, off the top of your head. Off the top of your head. I think, think if I had to go right now, I'd go this season. May I think part of part of that's recency bias. Obviously, I'm living through this that's right fair. now in this moment. But uh, you think about the Pac-12 as a conference is going extinct after this year, or you know, all signs are pointing to it, and uh, every team in the division. Uh, seems to be playing its best <laughs> brand of football right now and giving it quite the send-off. And, I mean, this is the exact opposite reason the Big 12, the Pac-12 was dying, you know. You think Oregon, Utah, and USC really were the only big competitors last year. Um, and now we're seeing them kind of show up in a different way. Uh, everybody's showing up and showing out, even Washington State and Oregon State, the two teams that have no home for next year or, you know, certainly still in the pack two as we're calling it now yeah that that's my thing and the thing this year more than last year i mean for me just off the top of my head i legit don't know who the best team in college football is this year for sure last year i mean let's face it there was a lot of parody last year it was great but we all knew georgia was number one for a reason this year georgia's number one but no one is even coming close to looking at them and saying yeah that's easily the number one team like, there's no one even close to that. There's like pe- people are saying, well, there's this team. There's like five or six teams people are saying that could compete with them maybe for that number one spot. But uh, going back on the topic with Oregon State, um, I mean, this is one of the things we knew the defense for or Utah was good. And I just felt like with their offense, the way Utah's been playing the last couple of weeks, I feel like Oregon State could maybe have a chance to just 
as long as they got some defensive stops, could win the game. But I didn't think that they would shut down the Utah offense completely. I thought this would be like a 28-20 game. or But no, credit to Oregon's, Oregon State's defense. They showed up, and they showed out at home, and so did the fans too. Uh, and it really wasn't the run game. They really didn't run the ball that much. Um Really, the leading rusher, Damian Martinez, who had been a beast since last year, only 65 yards on the ground. Uh, but DJ looked pretty good, had one interception, but he did what was asked of him, and it got him a big win over a top-10 team. Again, something you can't say about Clemson this year. Uh, but you're right, Silas Bolden had a big game. Uh, so, yeah, give credit to Oregon State. And like I said, I mean, this is, is going to be an insane Pac-12 race to end the year. Because, I mean, Oregon State – they could shake up the party because their last two games are Washington and then they're at Oregon. So, I mean, the, this is going to be fun. I mean, every single week, I know I'm saying that the Pac-12 is going to be fun at the end of the year, but I, I have to state it every single every single week that it's going to be probably the greatest end of a season for a conference and greatest run for the end of a conference maybe ever in all sports. Absolutely. Um, but on to uh, what college game day uh, where they were featured at, and a big-time primetime game. Notre Dame versus Duke uh, in Durham, North Carolina. First time Duke had hosted uh, College Game Day, leaving us with six Power 5 schools that have still not hosted College Game Day. Um, but this was a big-time matchup, and boy, oh boy, did it deliver in an exciting fashion. Uh, Notre Dame pulled it out 21-14, but not without a little scare at the end. Uh, Duke goes down the field drive, scores to go up 14-13. But Sam Hartman, uh, a magical fourth and thirteen or fourth and 16, I think, scramble. Yeah, I think it was fourth and 16. To keep this uh, drive alive at the end of the game. And Audric Estime obviously punching it in there at the end. Uh, just a beautifully well-done job. Uh, and this is, in my opinion, uh, a great look at this team responding to adversity. You're going on the road against another top 20 team, uh, a team that's got a lot of momentum. And even when uh, you had the lead the whole game, kind of in a similar fashion to Ohio State, dominating the whole game, and then near the end of the game, defense makes its – one mistake of the game, and it results in the lead changing hands. But this time, Notre Dame had some time, and Sam Hartman in this offense showed what they can do. Yeah, that was my big thing. Whenever Duke scored that touchdown, whenever they downed them inside their own three-yard line, I mean, I looked at it. I mean, I was telling myself, I was like, man. I mean, I, I was like saying, I was like, man, I can't believe this for Austin. This is back-to-back weeks. They have the game under control, and they're going to somehow lose it. I mean, because I was thinking there's no way they're going to go 97 yards. I mean, they hadn't done much against Duke at all since the start of the game because they started out really well on offense, and after that, Duke kind of got in the rhythm. But yeah, Sam Hartman, what can you say? He made some big-time throws on that drive. People forget the third down and 10 on the like the first three plays of the drive. They were almost about to go three and out. They weren't moving the ball, really, and he made a big completion there, and they're absolutely right. Fourth and 16. Uh, just, I am amazed with the amount of people Duke dropped back in coverage that no one could catch up to Sam Hartman for that 16 yard run. Like yeah. that, that's what impressed me there. Cause they only had three guys rushing. I was like, you're telling me there's no one right at the first down line is like a protector. Uh, but no credit to Sam. He made the big play when he needed to didn't try to force it. Cause most QBs on fourth and 16, let's face it. They're not trying to run the ball. They're trying yeah. to force it into double coverage. Just say, Hey, I'll go to my best guy. But he was able to take it for a big-time run. 
And then Notre Dame was smart on as a head coach. They said, you know, we could keep on throwing the ball. It's like, but we're in field goal range. Let's run the football, waste clock, and don't give Riley Leonard a chance to have a magic moment like he did in some moments in the game. And Audrey Gastamay just took it to the house. And credit to the defense, they sealed the deal on the next drive. But man, uh, Riley Leonard being injured that that kind of hurts for that kind of hurts for Duke. But nonetheless, I mean, it was a big win for Notre Dame. And I mean, you're absolutely right. That. I mean, I think that was word for word what you said when I told you. I was like, talk about responding. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. Um, yeah, it did leave a sour taste, and I think everybody's mouth seeing uh, Riley Leonard come up hobbled uh, on that last play. The Notre Dame defense did a good job there taking the ball away, but you do hate to see such a talented quarterback uh, go down with an injury, somebody who definitely had a uh, bright future this season and beyond. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, and we'll see him back on the field soon. Hopefully. Um but then we panned over to a matchup where uh, there was a team that was ranked and a team that wasn't ranked, and it really should have been vice versa, in my opinion. Agreed. Kentucky versus Florida, 33-14, Kentucky stomping Florida, and a little bit of vengeance for that game last year. Will Levis gets hurt. Anthony Richardson has the beautiful game. Um, but this time, Kentucky comes out on top. They leave it uh, – Really, no questions about it. Get the job done and find themselves in the rankings uh, for the first time this season. Yeah, all I got to say is Ray freaking Davis. Absolutely. Man was unstoppable. I mean, just these stats are just unprecedented. Like 26 carries, 280 yards, three touchdowns. But the thing that blows my mind is the average. He averaged 10.8 yards per carry. That man's averaging a first down every time he was running the football. Like it was, it was incredible. And you know, Kentucky's five. No, they're entering the rankings. Like you said, I feel like they should have been there too, but they're doing it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen a thing about Devin Leary that gives me any confidence in him at all as a quarterback. Yeah. And that, that really surprises me. Um, but the defense is playing great. I knew Kentucky would be able to stay in this game if it was close because their defense, but if they can run the ball like that continuously, you won't have to rely on Devin Leary as much. And, you know, we're going to find that out legitimately how true this ground game and how good this defense is uh, in a big-time SEC East matchup this weekend. Absolutely. A little bit more on that later. Um, we had Penn State facing Northwestern, and this was a 41-13 beatdown of Northwestern. But this game did not start no, out like no, this. No, not at all. And I remember when this game first started, Northwestern got up early on the I fumble on the kickoff, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah, on the opening kickoff of the game. Um, and Northwestern gets up early, and I remember thinking, no, Penn State, not like this. Uh, and it just, again, I, I know we keep harping on it. And to some of you, it might be annoying. But seriously, these are the games that Penn State in years prior, they lose these games. They start off the game bad, like, and they yeah. fall off, and they fall out of the <laughs> rankings. But this Penn State team is resilient. And I don't know what it is, but James Franklin has got his guys in tune, and he has the playmakers and the team to get it done. And we're seeing it even when they face early adversity, even when they are trailing for the first time all season in this game. They find a way to dig deep and get the win against Northwestern and make it look convincing. Uh, you wouldn't even have realized by the final score that this game was ever close or that Penn State was ever down. I was going to say, not only that, they somehow managed to cover the spread of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, let me just be honest. I was right there with you. I was at B-Dubs watching you know, the, another team play for the state. Um, but I was like, keep an eye on it. And I was watching with someone. They're like, yo, it's 10, 10 at halftime. And I was like, yeah, Penn State's going to get it together in the second half. But in my head, I'm like, Penn State, I swear, if you lose this game, 
I, I'm never going to have faith in you ever again if this is the type of game you're going to blow. But you're absolutely right. They came out in the second half. They made it look like like they were just playing the backups in the first half of the game. I mean, it wasn't even close. Credit to the defense. They made the big stops when they needed to. Uh, I will say that first half kind of felt like karma for that thing I told you about the speaker that they did for the game. Yeah. So it kind of felt like they didn't get a full karma, but they got like the first half of karma. But yeah, you're absolutely right. They found a way to get the win. And listen, you're playing, you get this week off, you're playing UMass next week, and then you are heading to Columbus for the big matchup against Ohio State. You are setting it up here. You're now you're playing UMass. So don't don't do what you almost did in the first half against Northwestern. Don't do that. But you win that game, you set yourself up, you say, hey, we're entering these big matchups. We haven't lost a game. We know we control our own destiny to win the Big Ten this year. And all we got to do is beat the two huge juggernauts in front of us. Absolutely. Um, But let's spin it over to a team ranked in the top ten that has continued to look unimpressive this season. And that's uh, number eight, USC versus Colorado. And compared to what Oregon did to Colorado last week, we're seeing truly how flawed this USC defense is. And... Boy, oh boy, they have some big matchups left on this schedule. I, I'm starting to panic if I am Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Me, um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I said it. I had to, There's a radio show I do. I mean, I said I was like, I'm going to be honest. With the way this defense is playing, I can see this team honestly finishing 8-4 and four with the games at Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, at Oregon. They still got to play U, They still got to play UCLA, too. At the end of the year. And they're at California, who Cal is 3-2 and two on the year. They're actually a lot better than some people thought. So, you know, listen, they they like legitimately could finish the year eight and four, and it would not shock me at all because they could score 40 points, but they're going to give up 40 points with it. Um, and I don't know what to tell that defense. I mean, it just feels like that's the Lincoln Riley story everywhere he goes. A great offense and no defense that follows with it. And, you know, they have a chance that they, they need to get it together in this Arizona game. They need to get some type of rhythm on defense and gain some type of confidence. Because, like I said, the week after that, you're playing Notre Dame in at Notre Dame. And that's not going to be an easy matchup, depending on if Notre Dame wins this weekend. And you're looking to have potentially another top 10 matchup, which, by the way, who that speaking of Notre Dame, who the heck has a better resume than Notre Dame does right now? Absolutely, and they've got a schedule that I mean is just primed for college football playoff. Even if they, you know, you have the uh, the Ohio State loss, but even so, you go through the rest of this schedule and win out. Boy, oh boy, there's some big games. The Duke game, Louisville has just become a massive yep. game on the schedule. USC at Clemson. At that, Clemson. That's just still an underrated. Like people are saying, Clemson's not good, but still, if you go in the Death Valley and win there. And I think that might be a primetime game too. So, but yeah, so USC's got a lot to do to get that fixed on offense. But I mean, Caleb Williams is far from the issue. So the offense is fine. They just got to find something. They need to force turnovers on defense. That's what they got. That's what they're going to have to do if they want any chance at winning any of these games. Yeah, clearly. And it's apparent. I mean, you don't go to play for Lincoln Riley to play defense. No, um, not at all. You're definitely definitely offensive-minded guy, and we'll see how long that lasts this season. Obviously, it bit him in the behind last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on to Colorado, um, 
you know, I think this was a great bounce back game for Deion Sanders in Colorado. While they didn't get the win um, and they gave up a lot of points, that defense is still not looking good. It, their offense definitely got back under control. And this is definitely a more positive note to build on than the way that the working game ended. I mean, when the USC scored to make it 41-14, I mean, I just I quit paying attention to it. And then all of a sudden, I see fourth quarter, they made a two-score game. And I'm just like, okay. And that was a big bounce back because last week against Oregon, they fell behind early and in the third quarter, and they just really it looked like they gave up. Yeah. This week, they bounced back and were able to almost, I mean, they were an onside kick away from potentially getting a chance to tie the game up. So it's a good response. But listen, we knew that this stretch right here for Colorado was not going to be easy playing Oregon and USC back-to-back weekends. Now you're at Arizona State, and then you face Stanford, and then you're at UCLA. So you have potential there to potentially get three wins to get you back on a roll before you got to play Oregon State and Washington State and Utah in three of your final four games. They have a legit chance, I think, to get to six or seven wins. Uh, under Dion in his first year, which would be a huge accomplishment considering where this program was a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then on to a game that almost turned the college football world on its head. Uh, number one, Georgia versus unranked Auburn, 27-20. to <laughs> And uh, it really just came down to Auburn looked uncomfortable on that last drive. They really uh, got Peyton Thorne just out of his comfort zone and obviously turned into an interception that sealed this game. Yeah, but I mean, shout out Brock Bowers. I mean, the man carried that Georgia offense on For his sure. back in the second half. Um, he was on some, and this was an Auburn offense that was one dimensional. I mean, it felt like I was watching a Gus Malzahn offense at Auburn, nearly 300 yards rushing, not a lot of passing game. It really was a close game throughout. And I remember they were tied 10 10 at halftime. And you know, in recent weeks, they were tied with South Carolina at halftime. They blew them out in the second half other games. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait for the Georgia blowout to happen. I'll just turn to another game. And it just, it it never came. It it, it never happened. But again, this is the championship regime that they were able to find a way to get the win on the road. Cause I'm not going to lie to you in the past, maybe before the national championships, this is a game Georgia probably maybe loses under Kirby smart. Yeah. But because they have that regime and that confidence that they have from those previous years, they were able to, shake it off no no quote taylor swift not trying to um and get the win so hey but hey they set up a big matchup and georgia's getting into the tougher part of their schedule now which you know with some teams it honestly looks a bit tougher than it originally did you got kentucky this week then you got you're at vandy in florida which let's face it they should be wins then you host missouri who if they beat lsu this weekend i mean yeah, they're... I mean, I have to talk about them at that point. Then the week after that, you host Ole Miss, who's coming off a big win. And then the week after that, you're at Tennessee. That's like a huge three straight week stretch that's coming. So Georgia's entering the tough part of their schedule. They still look super slow on offense. They have to get that figured out if they want any chance at maybe being the first team to three-peat since, uh, do you know who the last team was that three-peated? I do not. That would be the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the 40s. Wow, that's yeah. been been a minute. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a chance, but they need to get things figured out on offense. Absolutely, and like a lot of people, uh, I'm not quite sold on Carson Beck just yet as a starting quarterback for Georgia, but I will say this much for the Georgia Bulldogs. I was never sold on Stetson Bennett as their quarterback. It felt like, you know, there were better options out there, and for the most part, he was a subpar quarterback, but when they needed him to step up, 
in the postseason, he did step up, and he had some big games down the stretch when they needed him. We just haven't seen that from Carson Beck yet. So we know this defense and this run game can carry a quarterback through most of the season, but we're getting to the tough part of the schedule where you need a quarterback that can step up and make the big throws. And you're looking at a Kentucky team whose defense has been, I mean, like I get we talk about Kentucky overall, but I mean this defense has been impressive. They haven't given up 30 points in a game this year. Uh, they gave up some garbage time touchdowns against Vanderbilt in that one. But came on, they had two pick sixes in that game. This is probably going to be the toughest defense that Carson Beck has had to play yet this year. So we're going to truly find out about him. Absolutely. Um, but let's move it on to a massive Big 12 matchup. Uh, number three, Texas versus number 24, Kansas. Uh, and this was a 40-14, to 14, just absolutely resounding win for Texas to continue to kind of show that this team is – I hate to say it, but they look very legit right now. Yeah, they they really do. Of course, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for Kansas, but Jalen Daniels being like a super, super late scratch uh, for the game because of a back injury, which I'm hearing reports may have happened when he was filming an NIL commercial. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it looks like he might not even be playing this week. So he might have re-injured that back pretty bad. But nonetheless, yeah, Texas, I'm not going to lie. Going into halftime, like it was a 13 to 7 lead for Texas, but I was like, dude, Kansas is in this game 37. Like, can Texas better get it together? Kansas might come out and make this a ball game and just maybe pull off the big upset. And it was like the Wyoming, what like the Wyoming game. They were barely winning entering the third entering the fourth quarter, and then they just exploded in the fourth quarter. And they ran the football really well uh with uh Jonathan Brooks, a sophomore. He had over 200 yards rushing. Uh, they did a really good job, and yeah, they look legit, but, you know, now comes the ultimate test for Texas. You're playing Oklahoma. Both teams are 5-0. and It's the big game this weekend. As if all the eyes weren't on Texas already when they played Bama, now they're even going to be brighter. And how will they capitalize? Because this is you, And also, you look at how last year ended in that Red River rivalry game, so you wonder how that will play out for Texas. But yeah, they, you're absolutely right. They look legit. Yeah, and the final game we'll take a look at from last week uh, was LSU versus Ole Miss, and this game was close. Actually, uh, you know, I thought LSU had this one in the back, so I turned this game off. Wow. Um, And that ended up not being the case. Uh, Ole Miss comes out with a 55-49 win, and in absolutely stunning and thrilling fashion, Ole Miss gets it done. Yeah, I think I'm right with you. Was it whenever they scored a goal of 49-40? Yes. You just... I was like, that's two possessions. It's just, it, you know, Ole Miss gave it a shot just like they did against Alabama, but not quite going to get this uh, Let one me back. just say, you know, this was easily the game of the weekend. Uh, and it was so much fun to watch for the fact that there was zero defense in the game. Um, you know, I think they both, like the over overall total in the game was matched in the first half. So, uh, or at least it almost was. Um, but no, this was a fun one for both sides. And I will give Ole Miss credit. Whenever they went down by nine, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought LSU had it in the bag. I thought that they were going to be able to get out of there with a win. And then they were going to face Missouri and win and just finish the year strong and maybe enter for a playoff conversation. But no, Jackson Darn, the Ole Miss offense. Didn't get done. And the most important thing, Ole Miss defense got that one stop that was needed. Whenever they scored to make it a two-point lead, I was like, make it a two-point game, I was like, well, that's great, but you haven't stopped LSU's offense all day. How are you going to – do you think you're going to do it now? And they did. 
And then they make the stop whenever Ole Miss is right in the red zone to end the game. So, I mean, credit Ole Miss defense didn't play great, but those last two times when they need them to step up, they really did. I mean, this might be the biggest win of the Lane Kiffin era at Ole Miss. Absolutely. This team uh, puts themselves, again, back on track to win that uh, SEC West title. And boy, oh boy, just when you think, you know, we have one step clear in the SEC West. Wrong. It gets <laughs> foggier and blurrier, and you just don't know who's going to yeah. come out on top. I mean, this this division is going to be saying, and also, I mean, like I legit don't know. Like, you know how we talk? I, I think I sent it to you. I was like, we in recent years that we have felt confident by like this point, who's going to win the SEC West, or if there is, there's at least two teams. But I also have a fact for you, Austin. You ready to hear this? I am. This is the first time all the teams in the SEC West have lost a game before the end of September since 2002. That is crazy. I was one year old the last time they all lost a game before the end of September. That's that's insane. So it's it's going to be fun to see how this ends up. You know, I mean, I, I mean, Arkansas lost, and I don't know if they have a chance really for it. But, I mean, they're still, with the Waze is playing out, they are still far from out of it if they can get things together and every other team in the West. Absolutely. I completely agree there. Um, but with all that, let's go ahead and look at the rankings here. Um, at number one, Georgia, two, Michigan, three, Texas, four, Ohio State, and five, Florida State. No changes uh, through the top five coming into this spot. And I think that's rightfully so, especially with Ohio State and Florida State being inactive this week. Yeah, I'm, I have no issue with it. They were going to keep them the same. Uh, yeah, no issue whatsoever there. Uh, then six and seven, Penn State and Washington, they stay the same. And this is where we start to see some change up. Uh, Oregon moves up to eight from nine. USC moves down to nine from eight. And Notre Dame moves back into the top ten, up one from 11. Uh I really like USC just continuing to slowly slide down, even though this team is 5-0 and and undefeated because they are the most unimpressive 5-0 and team in the country right now. Let's just put it out there. Yeah, I mean, we, we might as well put it out there. But, I mean, I just want to give credit to Oregon. I'm not going to lie. I love Washington. I love Michael Penix. But Oregon is probably – and, I mean, I'll just be perfectly blunt when I say this. They are probably the most balanced team in all college football right now. They are. Which might be good enough to get them into that playoff consideration. They still have a ton of games left against USC and Washington, Oregon State, and all them. But to me, right now, the most balanced team in the in Pac-12 right now is Oregon, so I give them credit. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Like seeing USC slide. Maybe would drop them back one more. Maybe. But, I mean, they're at least moving them back, so I have no issue. Uh, then at number 11, we've got Alabama uh, moving up one from 12. Oklahoma moves up two to 12. Uh, Washington State moves up three to 13. North Carolina moves up one to 14. And Oregon State moves up four to 15. Um, personally, my biggest uh, complaint right now about the way the uh, this these rankings are set up is how low Oklahoma is, in my opinion, um, I think much like USC, they haven't really played anybody, but the difference between these two teams is Oklahoma has left their games in like no doubt. There's been no doubt that they're going to beat these teams they should beat. Uh, whereas USC, they've had a lot of uh, deep breaths and sighs at the end of games that they should be winning uh, by, you know, 20 points. Yeah. And uh, I really think it's just been the defense for Oklahoma that's done it for them. Like I said, Iowa State scored 20 points on them last week. That was the first time they'd given up 
over twenty, over at least twenty points in a game so far this year. And like I said, we're, they're going to be truly tested against a pretty good Texas offense. So we'll find out how legit this Brett Venables defense is. But I mean, I just like seeing Washington State and Oregon State just continue to climb the rankings. I mean, there's enough said why we like seeing that. Yeah. Um, but Washington State, I mean. This could be fun. They are actually, I learned this, they are an underdog at UCLA this weekend. Wow. They're like a three and a half point underdog, I think, which kind of surprised me. But at the same time, I could see why maybe. But yeah, nope. Uh, I think Oklahoma could be higher. I actually would have had Oklahoma probably jump Alabama, just my opinion. Um, But I mean, the rest of them, the teams are right. They just maybe want to move up Oklahoma a bit. Absolutely. Um, Then at 16, you've got Ole Miss moving up four spots. Uh, at 17, Miami, as they keep slowly moving up, uh, Utah drops down eight, uh, to 18 Duke drops down two to 19 and Kentucky moves up to join the rankings at number 20. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just me personally. I would have liked to see, uh, Kentucky maybe be higher than Duke and Utah, um, I get. I think you know. Over the season, you can say that those teams are better, but I think had Kentucky been in the rankings like they should have last week, they would have jumped both of those teams. Yeah, I can. I can see that. But also, I mean, we got we got to keep an eye on all Miami right now. I mean, they're four zero, but they're slowly moving up. Granted, they haven't really played anyone besides A and M, but look at it, they're playing Georgia Tech this weekend. You win that game, you're five and zero, and then you're at North Carolina, and then you host Clemson. So you win those two. I mean, you're going to start getting respect. And I mean, you still got to play at Florida State later this year. But like Mario Cristobal slowly getting things figured out after a rough year last year. You could tell he's got them going back in that right direction. They just, they got to get some marquee wins if they want any chance to jump up. Absolutely. Um, And then coming in at 21, we have Missouri moving up two spots. Tennessee actually dropped a spot uh, down to 22. Tennessee drops 10 spots down to 23. Fresno State moves up 1 to 24. And Louisville also joins the rankings coming in at number 25. Yep. Um, I I think, again, I'd like to maybe see Missouri a little bit higher. Um, but everything else I agree with. I also thought maybe Louisville should have been in the rankings last week mm-hmm. as well as Kentucky. But um, they're here now, and that's what's more important. I mean, to me, the big thing is, you know, in recent years, we've talked about the SEC East, how it's just Georgia's to lose every single year. Um, You know, they got three other ranked teams in that SEC East right now that Georgia still has not faced. You know, Kentucky, Missouri, and Tennessee are all there. Uh, So, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, the SEC East, maybe not as clear cut as in recent years, especially if these guys can continue climbing like Kentucky and Missouri are. Oh, absolutely. But I do, sure. but I do like Louisville entering the rankings, like you said. And I mean, you know, they're going to have a big matchup right away. They're going to get the chance to prove it. Yeah. Um, but first, let's uh, take a look at the teams and players of the week. Oh boy. Um, and so we'll start with team of the week, and uh, I'll start with my teams. Um, at number one, I had Oregon State. I love the way this team played this past week to really get a big win uh, against a top 10 team and get themselves back on track in the Pac-12, um, especially after that tough, heartbreaking loss to Washington State. At uh, number two, I put Notre Dame. 
uh, a big win and what ended up being a comeback win against Duke uh, after the heartbreak, uh, late game heartbreak against Ohio State. I thought it was a great uh, punctuation point on a, a great night for them. Um, at number three, I like Kentucky here, really proving um, to the AP poll and the voters that they deserve to be in that top 25 over Florida by getting the big win. Uh, you know, personally, I would have already ranked them ahead of Florida just because they hadn't lost a game. And I know Florida had the Tennessee win, whatever, but big win gets them on the board. Um, at number four, I put Louisville. I think they got another gritty win uh, to help push them into the top 25. And then BYU, I like them getting that first Big 12 win uh, against Cincinnati, two teams that were really looking to get themselves on the right track. All right. All right. I like so mine a little bit different, but have some top ones. Uh, number one for me, I did go with Kentucky, uh, right with everything you said. I feel like they, that should have been a ranked matchup, if we're being honest. And they proved just how much better they were than Florida. I mean, they dominated on the ground. The defense was great. Um, I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with them. Number two, I got to go with Ole Miss here, and I don't like giving Ole Miss credit. I really don't, especially when a certain team is playing them this upcoming weekend. But I give them credit because in past years, that's the type of games Lane Kiffin loses. And their defense was able to make those couple of stops to give their offense a chance to get back in the game whenever me and you both thought LSU had it in control. So I give them credit. Number three, this is just a personal favorite of mine. I got West Virginia. Here And I know what some people are saying, it's like, Austin, why do you have West Virginia in here? They've been a laughing stock in college football since uh, like 27, 2018, 2019. And you're absolutely right. But they are 4-1 and one to start this year. Neil Brown, this is a year many people thought he was going to get fired by West Virginia after kind of failing the last couple of years. But he's got them 4-1. and one. They do have some really good wins. Uh, and they got a big one this last weekend winning at TCU. And they beat Texas Tech the last week. Don't even get me started on that game. I hate you, Texas Tech, for that game. Um, just real quick, I had a, this man knows it, I had a 14-leg parlay, and the last thing yep. was Texas Tech money line in it, and West Virginia ruined it. But I have nothing against West Virginia. I blame it on Texas Tech mostly. Um, but anyway, they're 4-1 and one right now. And really, Austin, I don't know if you looked at their schedule. They have potential. Like, here's their schedule. Listen to this for the rest of the year. They're at Houston. Next week, they're at, they're playing Oklahoma State the week after that, at UCF, home against BYU, at Oklahoma, versus Cincinnati, and at Baylor. That is not a hard schedule at all. Yep. They could legitimately be a 9, maybe 10 win team if they continue to play with the confidence that they have and maybe a dark horse to get into that Big Big 12 title game. I mean, that's not a hard schedule. It's granted, they're only 4-1. and one, but I mean, they are heading in that right direction. I just, I just love seeing that after so many years where we haven't even thought about them. Absolutely. Um, number four went with Baylor. Got to give them credit for a big comeback win on the road. I mean, thirty-five to seven late in third quarter. Really felt like there was no point keeping an eye on it, but they made a big comeback. Uh, give them credit to their offense; they were able to get it going, and to their defense, who I mean, they had been getting dominated through those first cup for that first three quarters. Uh, but having Blake Shapen back really helped out that offense, I think. For sure. And, yeah, they were able to hang on for a big win. Although, shout out to Timmy McLean for UCF. Had one of the greatest fourth down conversions in that game, possibly of all time. Uh, so, got to give him credit. And number five is Texas. I don't usually like giving Texas credit, but they put a thumping on Kansas. They dominated them on the ground. Quinn Ewers had a good game overall, and, I mean, 
we talked about them already. They're a legit one of the top teams in the country. For sure. Um, now let's take a look at our social media accounts and see uh, who prevailed by the fan vote. And uh, on Twitter, we brought in uh, two winners. That would be Notre Dame and West Virginia. Yeah. Both brought in some extra votes. Um, and then on Instagram, Kentucky won one poll by themselves, and then we're in a three-way tie on the other with Ole Miss and West Virginia. Man. Um, so all of that brings us together for our team of the week with 16 total votes. Okay. The Kentucky Wildcats ah, uh, really okay. bring it home and get the job done. West Virginia in a very close second place with 11 votes. Hey, shout out West Virginia. Shout out. They got some credit. But now let's pan over to that player of the week. And uh, at number one, I had Ray Davis. Uh, this guy was absolutely unconscious. We already talked enough about it. Just a great game on the ground. And I had to give this guy the number one spot. Uh, at number two, I had Cameron Kelly, uh, defensive back for Louisville. Um, this guy really played his heart out. Had uh, a pick six, I believe. Um, also forced a fumble. Um, so really played super-duper well in this one for Louisville to help them earn a spot in the rankings. Uh, at number three, I had Audric Estime, 81 rushing yards uh, and two rushing touchdowns, including the game winner from way out. Uh, very impressed with Audric Estime's performance to step up when we needed him most. Uh, at number four, I had uh, Silas Bolden, who really showed out for Oregon State, over 100 yards receiving, just really uh, the answer that they needed. And at number four, Brock Bowers, uh, kind of like we talked about before, uh, this guy stepped up and carried this Georgia offense. All right, so a lot of the same guys, just in different orders, but except for number one. I mean, come on. Anyone that doesn't have him as number one just doesn't know what they're talking about. Ray Davis, the number one for Kentucky. Like he said, we talked about him enough. Unstoppable. Hopefully he can do that this weekend. Yeah. I'm rooting for it. Um, number two, uh, I put Brock Bowers at number two just because, I mean, like we said, I mean, you know, the Joker, he put like the Greg Jennings leg thing. He put the whole team on his back. That's basically what Brock Bowers did in that game. Um, number three, I actually went with Jonathan Brooks from Texas. I thought he had a good game running the football against that Kansas defense and really helped seal the deal in that game. Number four, I actually had Jackson Dart here from Ole Miss. I was really impressed with him in this game because uh, in recent weeks, you know, and I think even last year I was saying, you know, I really haven't seen anything like a wow factor from Jackson Dart. And this was the first game I actually saw that, so I give him credit. And then number five, Went with the Oregon State receiver, Silas Bolden, like you mentioned. Had a big game against a very talented Utah defense. Stable over 100 yards and get a touchdown. Um, but Austin, I am assuming uh, that this was not very close. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Um, just for the formality of it, uh, our Twitter winners were uh, Ray Davis, 1-1 poll, and Audric Estime and Silas Bolden tied on another. Okay. Uh, and then on Instagram, Ray Davis took home both polls. Um, it doesn't take a mathematician to figure <laughs> this one out. Ray Davis had 22 total votes. This is definitely our biggest margin of victory uh, since Travis Hunter uh, yeah. in week one. So uh, great job by Ray Davis. Uh, you know, we recognize it, obviously. And obviously a lot of people at home recognize that Ray Davis was the best player this week. And, you know, that clearly shows out. But once again, we've got team and player uh, matching up. Uh, yeah. And back-to-back players of the week for uh, yeah. Kentucky. Maxwell Harrison, the Maxwell defensive Harrison took it home last I like that. I like Kentucky getting in on the mix. Um, so the Wildcats really got something to prove this year, and they've certainly proved it with the Bulltick podcast and their viewers. Um, but let's carry our conversations into this upcoming week uh, in college football. 
And, you know, I, I've been saying it week after week, but, you know, we're getting some really good uh, football coming up uh, in these weekend, just weekend after weekend. And uh, obviously, let's start off by talking about the favorite teams on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll start with a big time matchup between number 10 and number 25, Notre Dame versus Louisville. This one is going to be uh, at Louisville. Uh, exciting exciting matchup for Louisville chance to really put themselves on the board. Um, but Notre Dame looking to ride the momentum, ride the wave, take advantage of these new opportunities. Uh, and, and this one, I think mostly Notre Dame is going to look to hold on at the end of the game. We've seen the last two weeks, them kind of dominate and control the game. And then at the end, they slip up and make a mistake. And one of those that cost them and the other one, they were able to make a, uh, a incredible comeback right there at the end of the game. But in this one, they're going to be looking to win a little bit more definitely. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I'm excited for Louisville. Jeff Brom, first year coming over from Purdue. I mean, we both said that that was a great hire for Louisville, former player coming over. I mean, he was able to take Purdue to multiple Big Ten title games um, in like the 2010. So do with that information what you may. And he's done really good. They've had a really potent offense so far through his first couple weeks. But last week against um, uh, North Carolina State, Really wasn't a potent offense. That's where the defense came in. Had a lot of big stops against North Carolina State's offense. And were able to hang on and get a win. And, you know, I mean, here we go. I mean, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to watch this one. It's just, uh, you know, I didn't even realize that looking at the schedule a week ago, that Notre Dame, I mean, you just, but like, we, I mean, I just have to talk about this Notre Dame, like, strength. I mean, I know it seems like I'm being biased, especially with a Notre Dame fan here. Uh, but I really, I don't care. It's our show. You can you can deal with it. Uh, but, I mean, you're going to have four straight. Ohio State, Duke, now we're both those teams ranked. Then a ranked Louisville. And then the week after that, a ranked USC. I mean, that is a amazing four-game stretch. And if you come out of this three and one, I don't know how you don't put Notre Dame in the top five. And I'm just being brutally honest with you. I don't know how you don't put them in there if they come out of that stretch. If they beat Louisville and then they beat USC – you have to put them in that conversation. And, I mean, this is going to be fun. I mean, I, I could see this being a lot of points, but I, I think this Louisville offense could keep up with Notre Dame if the Notre Dame defense kind of has some letdowns. I'm excited to see that matchup between the Louisville offense and Notre Dame defense. Absolutely. Uh, then we'll take a look at uh, the team that's been a little more disappointing between the two this year, Arkansas uh, and Ole Miss uh, facing off. And Arkansas had that tough loss to AM last week. But uh, – more I was about to say, disappointingly, that's, that's not even the tip of the iceberg, yeah, man. I more mean, disappointingly, coming out of that game, uh, Dan Enos apparently responded to several student emails from his own email account. Uh, and, you know, I'll let you take it away. I, I just honestly don't have the words. Um, I mean, and how do, how do I put this in, quite frank? Freaking moron. Um, I don't know how else to put it. You know, listen, do I have... Now, do I think sometimes fans are a little bit aggressive and cruel sometimes? Yes. But here's my thing. Why are you going onto the emails, talking back to the students in a game where your offense was horrendous against AM? One offensive touchdown. People forget the one other touchdown was a pick six by Arkansas to start the second half. There was no offense in that game. What makes you think that you can do that? I don't know. And number two. Oh, and the thing that just makes me just like want to face palm right here. Does it from the official school account? Like, for the love of everything, man, have you not heard of a burner? Yeah. Listen, 
I don't, I don't think you should be doing that, but it, I'm going to give Hugh Freeze credit. At least the dude had, had the guts to use a freaking burner phone. Yeah. KD has burner on Twitter. Dude, it's not hard to create a fake email. I could create a fake email account in five seconds. You can go on there and talk smack to him. I'm just saying. Or if you want to create a fake account and let the fans know on Twitter, do it that way if you want to. I don't think you should, but I mean, it's just, it, it just seems like pretty, like just freaking moron. That's all I have to say. And I mean, you look at this team, you think about it, Sam Pittman recently deleted Twitter because he didn't like the criticism and all the people talking to him. Now this comes out about Dan Enos. I mean, this just sounds like a coaching staff that just can't take uh, criticism. I mean, it, it legitimately does. And I mean, that has me thinking, I mean, I know Sam Pittman will probably stay here after this year and I love him as a guy, but I mean. I mean, this coach's staff, to me, if they can't deal with the criticism from the fans, they don't deserve to be here. Just blunt honesty. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like they honestly can't take the pressure. Um, but they're coming into a matchup with this Ole Miss team, coming off a big win. Um, but Arkansas has had some fun games with Ole Miss in the past couple of years, including, I believe, a victory last year. Yeah, a um, blowout win. Now, remember, that was the game where the SEC network was – announcing from the sideline and there was a big hoopla about that and they were in the stands with them that was that made that game 10 times more entertaining because it was a blowout with arkansas winning so yeah <laughs> so um, yeah so looking for a little bit more of that to come but how do you see this one playing at first uh i mean i look at it this way we always play them close somehow uh and i really think that we have I, I i can't believe i'm saying this i mean i actually think we have a legit chance to win this game uh, and that's mainly due to the fact that I think the defense has been the only has been a positive factor this year, which in recent years has not been. I give credit to new defensive coordinators coming in, making some changes. And look, let's face it with Ole Miss and let's face it with us. The over-under 62 and a half, this is going to be a high-scoring game. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. And it comes down to which defense can make one of those one or two stops or force one of those two turnovers. I think Arkansas has a chance to do that. But at the same time, I've seen Ole Miss be able to kind of make those stops when they're needed. Uh, but, yeah, this is a game. I mean, I know the spread's 11 and a half, but, I mean, this is a game that's going to be a one-possession game at the end. And it's going to come down to, to me, which defense can make that one stop that's going to ultimately decide the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then let's look ahead to a matchup that not a lot of people are talking about, but they maybe should pay attention to this one on 11 a.m. Uh, 5-0 Maryland versus 4-0 number 4 Ohio State. Uh, Maryland's having quietly a pretty impressive season, a good 5-0 start to the season, uh, but they're going to put that to the test here against Ohio State. And fun little fact for you, Maryland is 0-8 in program history against Ohio State, so history certainly isn't on their side. Um <laughs> What do you see in this game? Um, well, I see a very good Maryland offense. And, I mean, let me just be frank. I think this game's going to be close with a 19-and-a-half point spread. I just don't see it being that big, mainly because this Ohio State offense is not good. It is not a good offense. However, I have to give my respect to Ohio State. They have one of the best defenses in college football this year. Jim Knowles, since he's came over from Oklahoma State, has made that into an incredible defensive unit. And I think – they can slow down this Maryland offense. They should be able to run, to cruise in this game to a little bit of a low-scoring affair. I really don't see this being a high-scoring game uh, at all, in my opinion. But for Maryland, you know, I think they have a legit chance if they can overcome this Ohio State defense. That's going to be the difference in the game. 
If they can overcome this Ohio State defense, I think Maryland can win this game outright. I'm being dead serious there. But if they struggle early against this Ohio State defense and have to play from behind, mm, I mean, I don't know. It could it could get ugly, but that's the key matchup to me. Absolutely. Um, then we'll take a glance at uh, number 13, Washington State versus UCLA, something we alluded to a little bit earlier. Um, and Washington State looking to you know further move themselves up, uh, not only in the – Pac-12, but in the overall rankings uh, this year. And they're playing against uh, a pretty good UCLA team. We saw them for a brief moment in the rankings before they fell to Utah. Um, But still, this is a team that looks good. It's got an exciting young talent at quarterback. um, And it would certainly still be a big spot and a big win for Washington State to take take a win this week. Yeah, I really do. And you wonder where Washington State is. You know, they had a they didn't play this past week. Their last game, a huge game against Oregon State where they got the win and all of America was watching them and praising them. I mean, I was praising Cam Ward on here. You wonder, can they come back down to earth and go on the road to UCLA and win that game? Like we said, Dante Moore, he's going to be fabulous in the future. I can't wait to see him go from year to year and see how good he's going to be. Uh, but you wonder about this. Uh, defense for Washington State at times it kind of has issues but we've seen so far it's been pretty good and UCLA's offense struggled against a really good defense the one time they played one this year in Utah so you really don't know and I mean no offense to UCLA I like the team but it's not like they're gonna have a big home crowd to be there to support them I don't know why you wouldn't come support a team don't ask me Um, but I mean I think it's gonna be a close matchup and I mean I am kind of surprised Washington State was the under is the underdog in it, but I mean, I think this has potential to be a really fun matchup and a matchup where I could see there potentially being uh, a good amount of points in it too. For sure. Um, then we've got number fourteen North Carolina taking on unranked Syracuse, um, and Syracuse is coming off that uh, tough loss to Clemson. I, I mean, they got beat down, uh, but looking to maybe keep themselves in the ACC fight uh, against North Carolina. Um, but North Carolina obviously looking to further themselves in the ACC um, and keep themselves on path to that championship game. Uh, what do you like in this game? Um, well, what I do like is the two quarterbacks. I mean, Garrett Schrader, the king of the bootleg, I'm going to call him that for the rest of the year. I mean, that's just his nickname now. And Drake May, who, again, like I said, so far this year, there hasn't been just anything. You know, I know there's talk about being an NFL QB, but me and you have both said there's nothing that just – says, wow, this guy's going to be a lock for a first-round QB. Um, I just haven't seen it. So I'm excited to see both QBs in this game. Uh, How is Syracuse going to respond on offense? They're not playing as talented of a defense this weekend in North Carolina, but they're playing a much better offense. So we're going to see – we're going to really test their defense, who kept them in that game against Clemson for a bit there. So uh, that's going to be the big key for me is how will these quarterbacks do and – how can the Syracuse defense slow down Drake May and not let him and them get going on offense before this gets ugly? Yeah, now let's spin to some of our game picks where we can break down some of the biggest matchups from this weekend. And we've got three this week, three very, very good matchups in my opinion. And we're going to start off uh, with a, a battle <laughs> of two teams that have the same exact mascot. That's the LSU Tigers versus the Mizzou Tigers. If there's one thing I can tell you about this game, the Tigers will come out victorious. It's it's the Tiger Bowl number two because the Tiger Bowl number one goes to Auburn and uh, LSU. So, uh, But, I mean, this is an interesting, interesting matchup. 
because I remember I saw it on the schedule at the beginning of the year. And, you know, before Mizzou was 5-0, I thought, well, LSU's just going to go in there. Maybe it'll be close for a half. But, you know, here Mizzou sits at 5-0, and looking to make a statement. And then, you know, I think they have a chance. But this is easily – no disrespect to Kansas State. I love Kansas State. This is easily the most talented team Mizzou has faced this year. Yeah, I mean, if Missouri finds themselves in any of the spots that they found themselves against Kansas State, against LSU – Game's done. They were down in some big places yeah. and made some mistakes at the end of the game that uh, Kansas State can capitalize on. But this LSU team's a little bit different. Yeah, I was about to say, and that's my big thing. And I look back to the Mississippi State game a few weeks ago, following that loss to Florida State, and then that was the first game for LSU to bounce back. You're at Mississippi State. The cowbells are ringing. Everyone's going insane. There's gonna the crowd's gonna be insane at the Mizzou game. No, no, something just tells me that I'm gonna go with my gut with LSU. I think LSU can win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me with Mizzou. But, I mean, I just think the talent of LSU, and they know how to respond after a loss. We saw it last year whenever they had those two losses early in the year. They finished strong. They bounced back with a big win against Mississippi State. Lose to Ole Miss. How are you going to respond against Mizzou? Give me LSU. Fair enough. I, I like the pick. But uh, I'm going to go with Missouri in this one. I, I think the Missouri teams looked a little bit more comfortable. And uh, I think LSU's defense has kind of come up short in some of these games oh, this yeah. season. Um, you look at last week against Ole Miss, obviously uh, got them in a bad spot. You look at the game against Arkansas two weeks ago, the defense could not get a stop. And I just don't know uh, that this defense is going to be able to keep getting away. Obviously last week they couldn't get away with it. And I think this week you carry in, you're playing the good teams and this defense can't get stops. I think the good teams keep winning against this weak LSU defense. Um, then we look at college game day. Red River rivalry. That's a it's mouthful. A mouth, it is a mouthful. Um, I, that's why I don't like saying it often. Uh, we've got Oklahoma versus Texas, number 12 versus number three. This, in my opinion, should be a top 10 matchup. It really should um, be. I, and that, you know, that comes at me saying that I think Notre Dame should probably still be sitting at 11 uh, based on that. Uh, but I, I really do think Oklahoma should be in the top 10. I think this is going to be a fun and exciting matchup. I think the big thing for me stands out. How is Oklahoma's defense or offense going to respond? Because the defense has looked phenomenal this year. Not that the offense hasn't, um, but I think that's the big spot you wonder about for Oklahoma in these big games. Yeah, you really do. And to me, there's a couple factors that go into this. Number one, um, just, you know, me thinking is like, okay, maybe you look at the recent history of the matchup. Since 1955, the official series record 33, 33, and three. So, like, you're like, oh, go off the series record. Nope, can't do that. So, um, to me, I do think a big factor here in a stat that I did find, in Oklahoma's wins, 11 wins under Dylan Gabriel, they have not allowed him to get under pressure a lot as a QB. And their losses, the defense has gotten to him and created a lot of pressure and sacked him, made him uncomfortable. So, you know, you want to look at success for Oklahoma is stopping Texas. And I think a big thing – Texas isn't really a blitz-heavy defense or a super pass-rush-heavy defense either. Uh, they're still a pretty good defense, just at that factor, that's not their strength. And so I think Dylan Gabriel should have plenty of time as long as this O-line is playing well. And I do think the defense of Oklahoma has improved tremendously under Brett Venables after that first year. And, you know, an upset seems to always happen in this rivalry, so why not? Give me OU in this game. I think OU makes it their first big statement of the year and gets a big win over their arch rival. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say it, because I was going to say the same thing. I, I think the big thing for me 
is kind of the way Texas has played some of these games throughout the year. You look at the Wyoming game, you look at the Kansas game. You know, it's almost like they're playing with their food uh, you, for those <laughs> first three quarters, and then they explode in the fourth quarter. And while I think that makes Texas one of the most dangerous teams in the country Absolutely. that you can't count them out, I think against a team like Oklahoma that has such a great defense and such a great defensive-minded coach, um, I don't think you can afford to play with your food. I don't think you can afford uh, to keep it close through three quarters and, and not really you know, explode throughout the game because I don't think playing Oklahoma, you're just going to be able to rattle off 40 points in this in the fourth quarter. And I think a big thing also we got to factor in last year's game. You remember Texas, I forget what the final score was. I think it was 48 nothing. Yeah. Right around there. I mean, they humiliated Oklahoma last year on national television. We all saw it. Neither team was really that good last year, but we saw it. They humiliated them. That's got to be a factor in it, too. Not wanting something like that to ever happen again. Absolutely. I think this is an Oklahoma team that looks much more confident, playing much much better. And this is a defense that looks like a Brett Venables defense. I've got to go Oklahoma in this one. Uh, in our final matchup, a big matchup in the SEC East. No, we didn't forget about it. Saving it for right here. Georgia versus Kentucky. Boy, oh boy, I, I'm very tempted to take the under in this game. Uh, I'm not, I'm not tempted. I am taking the under in this game. Uh, like you didn't even have to tempt me. It was like, I'm going to take the under. Um, but this is two really good defenses, two pretty solid run games and two QBs that really aren't that experienced. You add that all up. I mean, it equals the under, uh, which means the over is hundred percent going to hit in this game. Um, but no, these are going to be two defenses. It's going to be interesting to me. Because this is Devin Leary. This is, to me, his first true test to start. Like I said, he hasn't really done much. yet. Kentucky's 5-0. Carson Beck's made a couple of big plays when required late against Auburn. So uh, I'm interested in it. I think as long as Kentucky can run the football, they're going to be able to have a really good chance to win this game. And, yeah, I think this is close throughout. But, I mean, I, I love Kentucky. But this, if this was at Kentucky, I would easily pick the Wildcats to win. But it's, at, it's in Athens. It's hard for me to even consider going against Georgia there. I think it's a close, low-scoring battle. I'm going to go 17-14. Georgia gets the win. They they survive by the skin of their teeth yet again. That's that's uh, an interesting pick. Uh, I, I like Georgia in this game, and everything in me is – I know everything uh, you know, in me is telling me to go with Kentucky too. Uh, just, you know, I, I want to I, I say do it. pick the upset – um, but really, when I look at this game, I, I see Georgia and, you know, you, like you said, two dominant defenses, two great run games. Uh, it, it counts and means something. It's a low-scoring, gritty game. Uh, and kind of like you alluded to, this is going to be, you know, which quarterback makes, you know, has their best game is what it's going to come <laughs> yeah. down to. Um, these are two quarterbacks in Carson Beck and Devin Leary that haven't quite been the guys they were expected to be this season for their teams. Um but this is the time to show up. Um, and I think if I'm counting on one of these guys to show up and show out, I'm going to go with the Kentucky Wildcats. Devin Leary looked really hey, good last go. year at NC State. Uh, I think now his number's being called. He shows up and makes some big plays, even though Georgia has some weapons. Uh, I'm going to go for the upset here and be rooting for Kentucky because I know I'll be betting for Kentucky. Oh, yeah. One. And actually, I have one. I want to ask you one off the record here. Like, we don't got to count this as one. Uh, keep in mind, this is one Alabama and A&M this weekend. What, I bet you didn't officially know this. The winner of this game will be outright leader of the SEC West between Alabama and A&M. So if A&M wins this wow. game, they are in full control. And if they win out, they're going to be playing for the SEC title. 
And it's it's in College Station, and Bama is only a two and a half point favorite in this game. So, wow, wow, wow! What, I did not realize that. What, um, what did you? What do you think about this one? I, I'm curious what you think about it. Uh personally, I like Alabama in this game. Uh, I think that you know Alabama hasn't been super duper great, um, and that Texas A&M defense looked really really good this past week, but. Uh, I really just don't think that this Texas A&M offense can hold up to this uh, to this Alabama defense, especially with how great Dallas Turner's been playing recently. He's really been affecting every quarterback he's played as of late. Yeah, I think I'm I'm right there with you, but I mean, I don't know. There's a part of me that kind of thinks A&M's gonna. This is giving me like 2021 like vibes with Bama and A&M. Yeah. Uh, that was a great game, by the way. Still a really good game. Uh, but it's Max Johnson. It's not Connor Wyman, who's out for the year. That really hurts, I think, their chances. Max Johnson's a veteran QB, so I think that could help them out some in the game. But I think you're right. The way this Bama defense has played the last couple of weeks, to me, has just been phenomenal. They've basically been carrying this team to some some of those games, especially against Ole Miss. So I think it can be fun. I think it's another game where you could look at the under as a big, big player, especially with it being at 46. Um, I'm going to go with Bama, but I mean, not with a lot of confidence. But that's just another one I saw I thought could be another one we could add to the game picks. And, I, and I think it was good. Um, but finally, let's get a look at the bet of the week. And uh, what are you going to be betting for sure this weekend? Oh, man. So I'm not going to lie to you. Uh I almost did Louisville plus six and a half. I almost did. Almost. I, I talked myself out of it. And instead, I'm going over to the Big Ten in a matchup of two unranked teams that will be on a streaming service. I'm going with Rutgers and Wisconsin. And give me Rutgers plus 13 against Wisconsin in this one. Wow. Uh, Wisconsin has been so inconsistent. They have not impressed me at all this year. And I know Rutgers, you look at them, you say they're four and one. They haven't played anyone. I actually really like where they're at as a team. I thought they competed pretty well against Michigan for the most part. They just got away from them in that second half. Uh, and with the inconsistency of Wisconsin, yeah, you know, I know it's out of Wisconsin and jump around, be going on and stuff. But yeah, give me Rutgers plus 13. I think they can cover that spread. And I mean, I need something. Everything is just down, down, down in my betting skills. Like I am easily the worst bet of the week better probably of all time this past couple of weeks. That is uh, fair. We both haven't looked very good. But this week, I'm looking to get back on track. I've got Syracuse plus 9.5 against North Carolina. All right. I think it's a big bounce-back game. I don't know that they'll win, but I think it's going to be close. That North Carolina defense is sketchy, um, and I think they're going to get a plus 9. I think that's the sec- that second straight week you've picked Syracuse. Unfortunately, I think- <laughs> it is. I like it. you got to ride with the Cuse, man. you got to ride with them. Um, but with all that being said, that's going to do it for us here at the Bold Take Podcast. Make sure take a listen to our NFL episode. We'll talk about that. Uh, you know, a lot of action coming up. And fortunately, with the way timing gets to work, we'll talk about a little Thursday night football that happened uh, yesterday. Shout out DJ Moore. <laughs> um, but an exciting episode coming up there. But that's going to do it for us here at the Bold Tech Podcast. That's Austin Waiter. I'm Austin Hill. We want to thank you for listening.